Welcome to the sixth episode of the Northern Art Podcast with me, Ant Cosgrove. As usual, thank you for all the encouraging messages and positive feedback, and I really hope that you enjoy the episode today. The artist that we're going to be discussing today is possibly one that you've not heard of before, but his story is something that I've thought a lot about over the last few years, so this is a really good opportunity to be able to tell it to you. My guest is the nephew of Norman Cope, an artist from Stoke-on-Trent. Norman was born in 1925, and today we will learn more about his student days in Burslem and in Edinburgh, his work, as well as the artists he associated with. My guest is extremely passionate about his uncle's legacy, and I'm really looking forward to learning more about it today. So, without further ado, let me introduce you to Michael Cope. Hi, Michael. You okay? Hello, Anthony. Yes, I'm fine, thank you. Very good. Yes, we've uh, we've hooked ourselves up on Zoom, so um, we got there. So we're having this uh, conversation today about your um, your uncle. So obviously, your your uncle Norman was the brother of your dad, Stanley. Is that correct? That's correct. Yes. Yes. And when did you yes. first learn that you had an artist in the family? Well, it goes back to um, ooh, the eighties, really. I mean, when we were young, when I was a teenager, and so forth. My father always told me that his um, He'd got a brother, or he had a brother, that was uh, quite a good artist. He never really spoke about it too much. Right, okay. That's interesting. Um, Because, obviously, there was a lot of hurt that went on in the family. Yeah. I think when I I first started getting a little bit interested was when Norman and Stanley's... Stanley was my father. Yeah. When when the the mother died. She died in 1970. Right. And that's when I first started learning about Norman. Right, but okay. His mother always had a few sketches uh, sketches on, on the wall, but nothing elaborate, you know, right, okay. compared to some of the work he did. Mm. It was just simple sketches. And uh, one of them, for instance, was a, was a, a church in Rome that he, he sketched when he was about 12. Wow. Anyway, uh, time went on, and I, ne- I was never really that interested at the time. Yeah. But when my father died in 1988, that's when I really started getting interested because uh, I recovered all of Norman's work, which was locked away in, in the loft of his house. Right, okay. Uh, previous to that, it was all locked away in, in his mother's house in Fenton, wow. Wow. Um, which he wouldn't allow anybody to go in the room. Wow. That's how I first started getting involved, you know, and... and um, when my father died, obviously, I was clearing out a few things, and I recovered a, a bunch of letters from his, his desk that were wrapped in string. And I said to my mother, well, what are these? And she said, oh, those are, those are letters that your father recovered from uh, Norman's um, place in Edinburgh, because he went to the Edinburgh College of Art, of course. Yes. I never thought any more of it. Mm. What I did, I, I basically transferred those letters into my desk drawer, never opened them. Right. But what I did when I when I recovered the, the work, obviously, um, I'm no artist myself, but my sister's a good artist and my father was a good artist, but obviously not as good as Norman. But there was a few uh, photographs in, in the work that I recovered and also a, a sketch of Arthur Berry. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was called Portrait of a Fellow Student. And, and that's when I, I actually wrote to Arthur Berry, and that was back in 1988. And um, I sent him copies of the photographs and the, and the portrait. I retained, obviously, the, um, the real ones. And uh, Arthur wrote back, and that's when we started developing a bit of a relationship. I never actually met Arthur Berry, right. but we spoke and we wrote letters, and, and that was it, really. Anyway, uh, as time wore on, 
I eventually opened the letters in 1990, which was two years later. I thought it was about time I opened them. Yeah. And it was full of history. Letters from Arthur Berry, a lot of letters from his uh, mother and uh, my father. But the, the letters from Berry were full of richness and humour. Yeah. Um, and also there was letters from other people, John Hancock mm-hmm. at the time, and a sailor who he befriended in, uh, in Edinburgh named John, who I never, ne- could never trace. Yeah. But John Hancock was difficult to trace, and that's when I, I started getting involved with Arthur Berry a little bit more because I could not trace John Hancock. Mm-hmm. And uh, Arthur phoned me one day and uh, said, you, you'll never find him. He's changed his name. <laughs> he changed his name to John Shelton. I don't fully understand the reasons behind that, and I don't. Somebody must, but but anyway, it, it, somebody told me that it was uh, following a, a dispute in it in the family. Right, and okay. he, he changed his name to Shelton because he was born in Shelton. Yeah, uh, I also wrote to uh, John Shelton as it was, and he, he returned letters. Hmm. And that's when I started piecing together and started doing uh, more research, really. I mean, it's, it's an incredible thing. I mean. I mean, let's, yeah. we'll just discuss Norman's life then, if that's okay. We'll go back to um, yeah. sort of your discovery of the letters and sort of you know what mm-hmm. you did, what you did with those later on. Um, now, Norman was born in 1925. Do you do you have any any history on him at all as a youngster at all, as very pre sort of going to the Burslem School of Art? Do you know anything about his very early days at school or anything? Is there anything about that? I did actually um, trace a guy that went to school with him. Right. Okay. He was named Ernest. I've got his name somewhere. I can't remember his surname. Yeah. And he, he was still he was still alive at the time. He was right. 89. Wow. He was 80-something. And myself and my sister actually went and spoke to him. Mm-hmm. And he, he told us about Norman being at school, you know, and he was always, you know, speaking at school and some of the things that they got up to at school. He, he did actually say one thing that was slightly interesting. I mean, he, he did actually say that he... He didn't seem close to my father, which was Stanley. Right. Which I found, you know, odd. But um, that's what Ernest said. And as I say, we we did meet up with him. But we do have loads of sketches and paintings and things dating back to when he was 10 and 11. Ah, right. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. And we still got all those in the family, obviously, because they were not... It wasn't stuff that you could put on in an exhibition. Yeah. Well, you could. I mean, I'm, I'm really interested in it. I mean, for instance, we've got... He used to do a lot of uh, pencil sketches, mm-hmm. and he he did a he did a full set of sketches of generals from the war, Lord Hague, and a few others who I'd never heard of. Right, and my sister still got those. So there's a load of work, and and also some of the work that he did, you know, when he was going to night school. There's a lot of nude sketches that we've got. I mean, most of the most of the modern work we've 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 exhibited, and a lot of it has been sold now. Yeah. Because it was a method of getting Norman's name out there. That's right. As we'll discuss later. So before the age of 15, all we've got really is um, is the the sketches and, and uh, paintings and things until he joined the Basel School of Art. Well, did he was, um, was he, he was in, a, I believe he was an apprentice designer, wasn't he, at Spode? Is that right? He was, yes. But that was, that was, I think, putting a timeline to it, I think that came during his time at the Burslem School of Art. Ah, right, okay, I see. Right, I think 
during the close season, if you like, or half term, I don't know what they had then. But he, he did he did work at Spode and he, he he did some paintings. Well, he used to paint plates. Right. Uh, I think if you read in one of the uh, Berry's book, the three and sevenpence eighty man, he he's quoted as saying he got fed up with painting flowers on paints. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we mm. still we've still got we've still got some of those plates. Have you? Oh wow, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> we, we've got yeah. Well, we we've got it in mind that one day we'll we'll take them down to Spode and you know uh, donate them to the Spode yeah. Museum. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah. That's nice. Um, yeah, it's nice. Yeah, and I mean, there's one that he painted of uh, Carnarvon Castle, for instance, um, right. which is really nice on a plate. But but as I say, that was I think he was about sixteen when right, he okay. when he was exposed. Right. Uh, which was like after the after he joined the the Bursley School of Art, which right. is where he met Arthur Berry. That's right. Well, it was apparently, I mean, I've read it was 1938 that he was a student at the Burslem School of Art and then he progressed from the junior art department in 1940. And that's where yeah. we obviously met um, Arthur Berry and John Hancock, yeah. who but then, like you said, later was known as John Shelton, um, which yeah. kind of formed the Burslem Boys, really, is the sort of the trio. And obviously oh, it was a it was a really sort of golden era wasn't it for um for art at that point in the potteries because i think a lot of the people who probably went to burslem school of art were perhaps going to go and get go into ceramics in some degree and, and, and paint plates and paint whatever so i think that suddenly you had these these sort of students who were perhaps wanting to strive out and become painters um and yeah. artists in their own right and so it was like a golden generation really i think at that point in stoke um i mean the other artist is william bowyer i think he was another one as well he was sort of um and he went on to be an ra as well i think of course and he was a student i've, there, got, I've got one letter from william bowyer oh have you right okay well, it was only a short letter. Right. In fact, William Boyer used to live in Leek, where I live. Right. Um, he lived in a, well, I only found out from the letter, and I've still got the envelope, mm-hmm. that he lived on a, a place called Daisy Bank. I think his house has been knocked down now, but uh, he, he, he developed, William Boyer did, um, and he had a studio in London. That's right. And he, he lived to a good old age, William Boyer did, and yeah. um, he, uh, I think he only died recently four or yeah. five years ago i don't know well, yeah. i mean he, you know he went to the he went to the, he was became an ra and he was um yeah. he was very well thought yeah. of artist i think you know he's, yeah. yeah he became i think he did quite well for himself william boyer yeah, yeah definitely but, uh, interestingly the letter that he sent to norman <laughs> was just you know hope everything's going okay in edinburgh what are the women like up there <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> that's, that's a, it was a short letter, but yeah. I mean, sometimes one of these days you can see these letters, aren't? Because no, uh, they no, really I'd love to see them. I really, sort of, it's... I've, got, I've got a full folder here, but um, yeah, very interesting. So yeah, William Boyer was one of the one of the, and there was also um, during a period where I was trying to get information, I had actually had a letter from. Um, a lady in who lived in Melbourne, Australia. I was looking at it this morning. Right. And, and she, she was actually there when Norman and Barry and Hancock and Boyer were at the um, School of Art. But right. she was two years younger, apparently. Okay. Um, but she, it was a nice little letter. It That's was a incredible. nice little letter, you know, basically saying that she could see Norman you know, who, who wandered around the uh, the school of art dressed in black. He, he was very <laughs> quiet, you know, and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. That's, but I mean, it's good, you know, it's good that she, you know, it, in fact, it was a sister who took the time to send 
there was a newspaper cutting at the time and she sent the newspaper cutting over to Australia and, and the lady responded directly to me, yeah. yeah. That's fantastic. Vanessa somebody, I can't remember. I've, I've got the name and the letter, obviously. Yeah. I mean, of course, when he was at that, he was at the school as well. He was highly thought of, I think, as well um, when he was at the school. I mean, um, his teacher there was Reginald Hager, and I think he thought a lot of Norman. Um, and he won various prizes there as well, didn't he? And I've seen I've seen bits and pieces to do with prizes that he won while he was there to do with figure composition and the abstract art prize and things like that. Um, he was first prize. He was second prize in portraiture. Um, which was behind William Bowyer as well. That was his, I think he was in first place. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, so he was like extremely talented and well thought of while he was studying there as a student. He That's was like, right, yeah. I've got lists of, of his works here. He used to list, list his works and he used to put the prices against them. All in guineas, all in guineas at the time, yeah. Right. Okay. And uh, notes against which ones he didn't want selling and, and notes of the uh, ones where he'd won prizes. I mean, one of my, one of my favourites is uh, which he won first prize for. I'm not sure in what category. It's called Noisy Laughter of the Fool. Right. That was, uh, you know, it was a savage drawing of a, of a drunken soldier sitting in a bar surrounded by people and he was holding a pint pot. Right. And he, 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 I mean, Norman was a pacifist. He, he wasn't, he, he didn't like the war, but he, he, he did these drawings to depict the, the horrors of war and the, the vulgarity of it all. And there, there was a lot of others. Looking through his drawings, myself, you know, obviously you can see stuff online. I know from Bearwall on their website and stuff, you can see a lot of his drawings that, that were sold. Um, they kind of remind me, um, you know, um, Henry Moore, um, the artist Henry Moore and sculptor, had an exhibition around the same sort of time, really. It was in 1942. It was, a national, it was at the National Gallery. And it was yeah. of his shelter drawings, which were sort of these um, people, you know, hoard up in, in shelters during the, during the bombing raids and stuff in London. Yeah, yeah. And if you look at the drawings, you can sort of see elements of, of perhaps, I'm, I was always wondering whether, well, I have wondered whether Norman maybe, maybe saw them at some point, because it was literally, that was 1942 and a lot of, and then literally in 1943, you see in works like Sleepers and, and, and mm -hmm. Insomnia mm -hmm. and things like that, you know, um, that Copey did. Um, so, yeah, I think there possibly is some, um, some connection. I'll, I'll be honest, Anton, it's quite possible that, you know, I mean, artists, they, uh, they thrived off other artists. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm sure Barry thrived off other people. Oh, just um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm sure Norman did. Yeah. I'm sure Norman did, and and it's quite possible that he he took his, his lead from Henry Moore. It's quite Yeah, possible. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, his work as well, it's sort of, in, su in such a short period of time, he went from, he was, you could see elements of surrealism um, mm. to Kerico and, and then he moved on to sort of more abstract pieces as well, I think, um, mm. as well, which is, mm. it's all really, I mean, yeah, it's fascinating stuff. I, I've, I believe, I did read that he, he wasn't keen on the fact that um, Arthur Berry was a big fan of L.S. Lowry. I don't think he thought too much of Lowry. No, I think they had a, they had a dispute over that. That's <laughs> <laughs> quite interesting. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, uh, they haven't that. But uh, I mean, if everybody's the same, wouldn't it be a boring world? Oh yeah, know? absolutely. You know, I mean, um, yeah, I, I, I don't think Norman was a Lowry fan. A Lowry fan. But, but I'm sure uh, Berry was, um, you know, inspired by Lowry. Yeah, I think they, you know, they, they find an artist who's doing doing some work, and they'll they'll go down that route and try and create their own, you know, their own style from yeah. going down that route. You know, that's it. Um, it's amazing the amount of stuff that you have got um, on Norman. It's incredible because 
we've probably discuss it a bit later on, but there's an Arthur Berry book due out um, later on this year. And the research part of it, certainly in the very early part of Berry's life, has been quite mm. a bit more difficult. Obviously, you have the book that he wrote. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. with regards to paintings and things like that, because there's not that too much early stuff at all uh, that actually exists of Berry. And the story is that well, he, he destroyed yeah. a lot of it, unfortunately. Yeah, he destroyed. <laughs> He, he had it. one of these. He had one of these fits, which a lot of artists have, where he he thought, oh, you know, I'm I'm no good, and he destroyed a lot of his work. Yeah, I know. So there is not. I don't think there's a lot of early uh, Barry work around. No, you know, there's got to be some, but I wouldn't have thought there's a lot because I mean, from what I've you know found out, he, he woke up one day, had a fit, and destroyed a lot of his. <laughs> Just I know. Burnt most of his work, you know, what, yeah. what a tragedy, really. Oh, it is because I mean, the the yeah. early paintings that you see are like from the from the fifties. Um, mm. You know, I mean, nineteen fifty six or fifty eight is is a really early Arthur Berry, and yet I yeah. mean, you've got work by Norman from the forties. You know, yeah. you know, and and before, but it's, yeah. So mm. and they were born like the same year, I think, weren't they? I think they were born uh, nineteen. Yeah, around. So, I think they were the same age. Um, yeah, same age, yeah. I think Shelton was a year or two older, wasn't he, I think? I think so, yeah. Shelton yeah. was a bit older. That's right. Um, Trying to think when Barry died. Like, died no, in uh, 94, 94 it was, Barry, yeah. 94, so was, wasn't yeah. Yeah, 94. Yeah. And then she, I think Shelton died um, maybe a year or so before then. I think I think Barry just sort mm-hmm. of um, outlived him by a year. Interestingly, one thing with with Barry as well, I think he did he did mention it in in his book that he wrote um, was that when he first saw like Norman Norman's work, he was a bit mm-hmm. nervous about not getting into the art school in the first place because I think he was sort of blown mm-hmm. away by his talent, and I think a lot of people were. Yeah. I think as well. Yeah. yeah. Well, he. Um, I think. Uh, I think in the book. Arthur Berry talks about seeing what no, you know, they went for the examination, the entrance examination, and you know, Berry thought he'd done a, a really good job of painting his uh, old favourite, as he called it, the ocean liner. Mm. You know, I mean, bear in mind, we're talking about guys that are fifteen years old here. <laughs> um, you know, he, he saw what Norman had done, and Norman had painted a, uh, a Canadian Pacific lo- locomotive. <laughs> With a cowcatcher on the front, you know, steaming away with the sunset in the background, yeah. and and I, I think it demoralised Arthur a little bit because he thought, goodness me, it puts my ocean liner to shame. <laughs> but obviously, you know, Arthur was, you know, he, he put himself down a little bit. I mean, I actually spoke to him about this, and he said on the buzz on the way home, he was he was convinced that he wouldn't get his pass his entrance exam, but he he'd only seen one other painting, and that was Norman's. Right. You know, but Norman's uh, Norman's father, which was my grandfather, yeah, who I never met because he died. He died a year before, uh, one or two years before Norman. Yeah, he was a railway. He was a train driver. Mm-hmm. So Norman had, had grown up painting trains and, and locomotives. So he, uh, we've still got sketches of locomotives that Norman did when he was, you know, twelve, thirteen, and and they're good. They're good, you know. But yeah, yeah. Um, so. You know, I mean, he didn't have anything to worry about because he got accepted anyway, didn't he? Well, they both got accepted. Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course they did. So uh, it was uh, early days, yeah. That's it. So but that's when that, we first met, yeah. And after that, in 1943, um, after he'd finished at the Burzum School of Art, he was accepted to Edinburgh College of Arts, which was, you know, he got, oh, yeah. he, got a scholarship, he got a scholarship, I think, didn't he? Was that right? Andrew Grant Scholarship? Yes, he did. Yeah, yes, he did. Yeah, you got an Andrew. I don't know much about that. Um, in fact, I didn't know anything about it until I spoke to a guy who was researching John Hancock. 
Right, okay. John Shelton, a guy named Mark Finney, mm-hmm. who's also a, an Arthur Berry fan. He's got some art, some of Arthur's work. Yes. And it, he, it was, yeah, it was through him that we, uh, we together, we, we started doing more re- research, me and myself and Mark. And my sister was involved, obviously. Yes. But yeah, I mean, the, the years between 1940 and 1943, mm-hmm which was when they were at the School of Art, were, were years that they, they remember really well, you know, wandering the streets of Burslem, <laughs> you know, uh, the first interactions with girls. Um, they weren't old enough to go in pubs, so they just wandered the streets, talking about art, and they were de- de- developing their own style and dress yeah. and things like that, you know. So um, I think they were... They were great days. I mean, Burslem then was totally different to what it is today. I, I don't know. Have you been, you've been to Burslem? Yeah, you? yeah, yeah. I've been, I've been loads of times. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even in my time, I've seen Burslem deteriorate. I mean, in 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 Stoke on Trent, it's it's called the mother town, yeah. but uh, it's it's a, a shadow of what it used to be. I mean, every other every other house in Burslem was a pub. That's right. I mean, it's, it's incredible. The uh, lament of the lost pubs of Burslem, the Arthur Berry, yeah. uh, and the, the, he just he can just name these these unbelievable amount of pubs, and then his 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 enthusiasm about it, about sort of you know how shocking, unbelievable it is that you could have this many pubs in like such a small area. It's just like unbelievable. <laughs> I've listened yeah. to that, uh, that that lament of the lost pubs, and he, he he goes on and on about all these pubs, but he he actually missed one, you know, which was a, oh. I think it. Called a leopard or something, <laughs> right? Okay. And it, yeah, and I, I said to you met Ray Johnson who who, yeah. who does uh, talkings on Arthur Berry, uh, and he do, he does the poems and things like that. But um, I, I've spoke to Ray about that, you know, and he yeah. But but there was so many, and he was he's going so fast. <laughs> I might be wrong. I might be wrong. But might I'll, be have in there somewhere. To, I'll have to listen to it again. I've got a I've got a uh, CD. CD. Yeah, I've got it yeah, as well. It's really, I, recommend, um, I recommend that for anybody listening. Bearwall yeah. has a number of uh, books and DVDs and CDs and mm-hmm. things relating to Arthur Berry, which are yeah. which yeah. are brilliant. Yeah. I absolutely. I mean, I they love them. Really. I mean, the Ray Johnson DVD that he did on Berry himself brought together all the various bits of, you know, everything, all the sources that, you know, for everything had all brought together on one DVD. It was, it's amazing. You couldn't want more, really. I mean, um, Ray Ray Johnson's a great bloke. I think he knows everything about Arthur Berry. I mean, he's, uh, I don't know whether he's still working, but he used to be head of archives. I haven't seen Ray for three or four years now. Yeah. But he was head of archives, I think, at Stoke University. Yeah. And, and I've been to one or two of his presentations down there about Arthur Berry. And he, he transfixed. He's, he's fantastic, Ray is. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. He's really interesting. Yeah. But, but as I say, getting back to what we were talking about, Burslem, it's now compared to what it was, it's nothing. Right. It's nothing compared to what it was. It was, uh, you know, it was a hub of the potteries, if you like. And, yeah. Um, yeah. As, as Arthur Berry used to say, you. It was better than Barcelona. But <laughs> it, it did. It did say that. Um, I mean, yeah. I know, like they are. I mean, Bearwall and people. They are, you know, trying to bring things back and trying and encouraging things. And hopefully, you know, time. You know, hopefully in the mm-hmm. future, I mean, it won't be. It won't obviously have that sense of. Um, you won't have as many pubs anyway for starters. No. But, you no. know, hopefully, you know, bringing more culture back. And I know they do things like the Arthur Berry walks and things, and, and they're yeah. all interesting. I think things like that are really good. Um, so we'll get back on to Norman now. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was 1943. He accepted to Edinburgh College of Art. 
he got his scholarship, the Andrew Grant scholarship, which I believe was sixty pound for five years. Yeah, and then that was you know off he went. And then of course the other the other Burslem boys, um, Arthur Berry was accepted at the Royal College of Arts, which was based in of course London, but in this time it was wartime, and so that had been moved up to Ambleside, so he had to go up to Ambleside during during the war, yeah. um, which is interesting mm. within itself, and that's um, that's something that is going to be mentioned quite heavily in the book, I believe. Yeah. And then Shelton was accepted to the slave yes it's not bad from a town <laughs> the size of Burslem you that's know, it three, uh, three lads from Burslem there they've done yeah, all right haven't they yeah. <laughs> I mean at the time of all this of all you know this happening back in 1943 I, I don't think Hancock had actually gone to the slave at that time or he, he, he went later than Berry and, yes. and Norman so I, I've, I've got little I've got not much knowledge about Hancock going to the Slade, yeah. but I will say that Mark Finney will have a detailed history of Hancock. Yeah, he's, he's very knowledgeable. Mark is, but yes, in fact, that's how I that's how I got to know a lot about a lot about what was going on. Yeah, you can see his blog online, can't you? I think it's that's a right, fin, yeah. Yeah. Finbo yeah, Finbo. He, I think it is Finbo. That's right. Yeah, and he, yeah. he the way I where I learned a little bit about it, and I, I contacted him, Mark. Was I, I just Googled one. I was working away. I was I lived in Romania for six years. And I just sitting there bored one night and, and Googled Norman Cope and up, up, up come all this stuff that Mark Finney was researching. It's amazing though. You know, and that, and that put it put me on the, the case to to try a bit harder, if you yeah. like. Yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah. So Mark Finney's worth talking to. He's a he's a good bloke, Mark. Yeah, he's 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 a berry fan. Yeah, he's very fun. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> he's, got a, he's got a few. He's got a, he's got three or four of Norman's paintings as well. Also. Oh, has he? Oh, fantastic. Yeah, Mark. Yeah, he's got Hancock, Berry, and Norman's. He's got some from each. Yeah. Yeah. Right, okay. Wow. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Well, so Copey. Uh, I mean, obviously, like you say, he was dressing like an artist at this point. He had his dark yeah. suit, yeah. his tie, his parted hair. Um, mm-hmm. His work, I believe, at that point, because obviously he's, he would have started there. In 1943, possibly in September or whenever he would have started. And then he was becoming a little bit more abstract, his work at that point as well. And there was a teacher called John Maxwell, who I've read yeah. about, who was quite an influence mm-hmm. on him at that point, I think. That's right, yeah. In the mm-hmm. other period. I think he, he went to Edinburgh, obviously sometime in 1943. Yeah, I'm not quite sure how long he was there, probably yeah. four or five months. I'm, I'm not sure yeah. exactly. Yeah. But uh, during that time in in Edinburgh, a lot of letters were exchanged. It, that, that, these were the time of this was the time of the letters, really. Yes. When they were all apart, you know, they all went the separate ways. So you know, it's not like today where you log onto the internet and you send them a text or do whatever. It was letters. It's true. And um, obviously, these letters that I uh, recovered and then opened in 1990. I've only got one side of the story, Anthony. You see, and the side of the story I've got is this, is, is Arthur Berry's side, uh, John Hancock, and and various other people, William Boyer, because I never saw the letters that Norman had wrote to them. Yeah, of course. All, all I saw was the letters that I recovered, which yeah. which Norman hadn't written. Mm-hmm. The, the only thing I'd got really in, in trying to piece things together was um, was the envelopes right. and that um, that the letters were sent in because. Back in those days, paper was very scarce, you know. Hmm. Paper was very scarce. It's not like today where you can just go down the road and buy a, you know, a load of A4 paper yeah. and do whatever you want. And and on, on all these letters, especially the envelopes, there's things where he's practicing his paintings or <laughs> notes that he's making or, um, you know, 
ideas that he's got for the future. Like one of the, one of the things that he was working on, Norman was working on when he died, was uh, something that Arthur referred to called the endless monotony of existence. Right. Now that that was unfinished. Never never saw anything or recovered anything on that one. Right. Uh, but there was many others. You know, the girl without a pretty face springs to mind, for instance. And there's others that that I've got written down somewhere. But but the, these letters, these envelopes are covered in scrolls and drawings and where he'd been practicing. And and we've got one where he was practicing Adam and Eve, you know, which was probably his most famous painting. That's right. Yeah, but, I've uh, seen that one. I've seen the, uh, that was in the exhibition, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah. That one? Yes, that's right, yeah. So, uh, you know, that, that was what was going on. And that, that's when they were exchanging the letters back in the, the latter half of 1943. Yeah, that's nice. um, so Barry, so Barry yeah. would have been sending from Ambleside. Um, that's right. Yeah. Did yeah. Um, did Copey did they go and visit Barry and Ambleside then at all at any point? No, or? no, no. They did it the other way round. They actually, uh, they actually went to Edinburgh. Right. I mean, I'm not sure the exact date. I've probably got it somewhere with, with the date on the letter. You know, but I mean, interestingly, Barry was a terrible writer. He's <laughs> 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 a bit like a doctor, you know, and uh, I had to translate most of his uh, letters you, you can just about make them out they're okay yeah but um he got a letter back from norman one day and um i, th I think it said it was full of the richness of edinburgh now he was enjoying his life and barry was not happy at, i don't think in ambleside yeah uh, he was not happy with the the, the fe his fellow students there uh, for, for some reason and it's well documented i think yeah but um he went up to uh, edinburgh barry did and and hancock Shelton, as it is now, Hancock followed him up the day after, and uh, they spent a few days in Edinburgh walking around. And I think that I think it's well documented in in Barry's book. It is, yeah, um, yeah. Um, and I mean, one of the famous things when they when they were in Edinburgh was the because uh, when Edinburgh uh, when Barry arrived in Edinburgh back then, I think it was November forty three. Yeah, it was foggy, and Barry didn't know where he was going. And he ended up at some uh, hospice, sleeping the night. Uh, he, he went into the toilet, and there was oh, a, it was, there was the Salvation a, Army, wasn't it? I think was it a Salvation, Salvation Army? That's it, yeah. yeah. Salvation Army, and um, he uh, he went into the cubicle, and the, there was a hole etched out in in the door, and uh, there was a there was an image of a guy uh, with his hand around this hole, um, you know, as if he was holding his penis, and. Um, Underneath it, it said, I am nobody. And um, when he met up with Norman the next day, he told Norman about this, uh, you know, image on the back of the door. And Norman, a few days later, went down and sketched it for himself. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they, had, they had a good time in Edinburgh, I think. And that, that was the last time they, they were together yeah. before the Christmas reunion. Um, right. They went back home. And, and I think this, it's well documented that uh, when Hancock got back to the Burslem scooter, well, the Burzum School of Art, I think he still had links there. Reginald Hager got hold of him and wanted to know everything that was going on. Because Hager was a, you know, I mean, he, he's got to take a lot of credit for, for the that period in time. Because he was he was head of art in, in the Potteries, I think. That's right. I'm yeah. not, sure, not sure what his exact title was. Yes. 
So, nine, so it's obviously, like you say, 1943, um, and then they were having this event, this ball, this Christmas ball or whatever, um, reunion ball or whatever it was at, at Burzum School yeah. of Art. And so, you know, Arthur Berry come down um, from Ambleside and John Shelton obviously was there and, and Norman Cope um, had come had come as well from from Edinburgh to, to join this. And this was in, mm-hmm. in December, wasn't it, 1943, this, this happened. And so, it, well, it was, it was quite close to Christmas. Oh, was I it? Mean, I've got the exact, yeah, and I've got the exact date somewhere. Yeah, um, yeah, I think you're right. I think it was. Um, I think it, yeah, I think it was about 18th, 19th of, uh, of December. I think it was. It, it was something like that. Yeah, it was something like. I've got the date somewhere, but yeah, they came down and they. Uh, it was the first time they'd got together since they all went the separate ways. Yeah, and I think they just um, obviously, you know, they let themselves go a little bit. I suppose, you know, yeah. as as young men do. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I mean, it was the first time they were, you know, it was different then because uh, they could go into pubs, for instance. If previously, they were wandering around the streets, sitting on park benches, eating fish <laughs> and chips, you know. And, yeah. yeah, but now they were old enough. They were 18. They could go yeah. in pubs legally. Yeah. I mean, back then, Burslem was a really popular town. You know, the pubs were heaving, not yeah. like nowadays. Yeah. So, you know, they had a good time. <laughs> That's right. Yes. And then, of course, um, the very tragic event happened, didn't it? You're probably better telling the story than me, Michael, I think, as to what happened. Well, I mean, I, I've only got, you know, the story. My father never spoke about it. Right. Um, my father identified the body. Right. And he went up and recovered everything from Edinburgh. That's right. Uh, all Norman's work from Edinburgh. But he never, he never spoke really about the no. night. Yeah. Of, the, of, the, of the the accident but it's quite obvious really you know with with research and talking to arthur and people they went out they were drunk yeah they were drunk they went out and had a drink i believe norman was not too well earlier in the day and he he, he thought a whiskey or something might improve his uh, you know the way he felt yeah uh they met up with some girls who you know and that increased the you know the euphoria of the night, and they went around a few of the pubs in Burslem. Uh, and I know one was the George Hotel that they went in. I think another one they went in was the Leopard, which I think I, I stand corrected. I think was possibly the one that Barry missed on the yeah. on his you know uh, the pubs poem. But uh, I'm going to check that out tomorrow. Now I've said that, <laughs> but because uh, I might be wrong. <laughs> but uh, yeah, they, they went in a few other pubs. Um, might have been the Dolphin. I'm not sure. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But uh, anyway, they, they went round these pubs, and, and of course, the you know the, the end game was to arrive back at the uh, School of Art and you know finish the night off. Basically, yeah, that's right. I don't know whether they got a plan to stay there or go home or whatever, but they, by the end of the night, they were certainly in no fit state to go home. And, and getting home from Burslem to well, Norman lived in Fenton, or Norman's mother lived in Fenton. Barry was living, I think, in Biddle for the time, and. And Hancock was in Shelton. Yeah. So how they would have got home at that late time. Anyway, um, Norman was uh, talking, agi- you know, in an agitated state to some guys who Barry didn't know. And uh, all of a sudden ran up the stairs. And I don't know where they'd been in Burslem Art College, but he, he ran up the stairs to get, we, we presume, to go to the toilet. Yeah. Whether running up the stairs caused him to, um, you know, go light-headed. But he, he toppled over backwards, um, yeah. fell down to the foot of the stairs. All the people assumed that he was drunk, you know, and he just wanted to 
cool off. They, they put his head under the cold water tap, you know, as probably we would do, you yeah. know, to try and sober him up. Yeah. Um, however, it was the wrong thing to do, we learned later. Mm-hmm. But um, at that time, we, we were still at war. And, and in the Burslem School of Art, in one of the front rooms, I think they'd got mattresses where the, what they call the fire watchers used to sleep on. That's right, yeah. And um, the two, Barry and Hancock, dragged Norman in and, and dropped him down on one of these uh, fire-watching mattresses. Yeah. Barry fell down on the next one and went off to sleep uh, in a drunk. Everybody was drunk. Uh, yeah. But, you know, I'm, I'm sure Norman was drunk. But he woke up the next day and uh, noticed, you know, a, a, a saliva and he noticed that Norman was, you know, mm. his eyes were open. Um, and he looked, you know, as though he was not moving. Well, he wasn't moving, obviously. Mm. And um, it was then that they realised that he was he was dead. Yeah, died. And um, yeah, that was it. I think Barry uh, it was one of the biggest shocks in Barry's life. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, yeah. He, he he actually thinks that he suffered from agoraphobia. I'm sure you know Arthur yes. Barry. Yes. He actually, in one of his letters to me. He actually puts down that down to probably one of the, you know, the shock of that being one of the biggest things that uh, causes uh, the state of agoraphobia within him, you know. Yeah. But anyway, uh, I mean, it was Christmas time. Yeah, it's um, awful. Absolutely. Awful. He, was, he was 18, so, wasn't he, as well? He was only 18. He was 18, yeah. He was 18. Gosh. Um, yeah. And then, of course, the, the, they had to go through. The, I was surprised that the inquest was so quick. You know, right. nowadays they, they spend time getting gathering all the information, but it was quite quick. The inquest was mm. just after Christmas. I mean, the, I've got the cuttings of the report in the Evening Sentinel. I've, I've, um, I've got it death. here. I've got it here. The yeah. uh, Evening Sentinel. You know, the article. Um, yeah. Shall I read it out? Do you think that would be worth yeah, reading? Yeah, it? Yeah. It's quite yeah. a long piece, but I will. I'll read it if you like. Mm-hmm. And, um, mm-hmm. I mean, it only gets to a point as well. It is on that. It is on the Mark Finney website that um, that I found it. So yeah. I know, right? So I'll yeah. read it from the start. Mm. So the headline was um, "Death of Art Student Fall Downstairs." Mm. Fatal injuries were received by an 18-year-old Fenton art student in a sad accident which occurred at the Burslem School of Art on Saturday night following an art student's reunion party. He was Norman Cope of 66 Wells Street, Fenton a former pupil at Burslem School of Art and more recently attending the Royal College of Art, Edinburgh. He attended the reunion with two companions and at about 10.15pm was running up the stairs at the art school when he slipped near the top of the stairs and fell backwards. He was helped to bed by his companions who were not aware that he was suffering from an injury, but Cope succumbed to the results of the fall on Sunday morning. His death was due to a fractured skull. The inquest. At the inquest in Hanley this afternoon, Mr. Stanley Cope, brother, who's obviously your dad, of 66 yep. Wells Street, Fenton, said his brother had returned home for the Christmas vacation. Deceased friend Arthur Berry of 165 Congleton Road, Biddulph, an art student at the Royal College of Art and formerly of the Burslem School of Art, said that after tea, Cope, who had only had a cup of tea and a cake, informed him that he was not feeling well and later suggested that they should go out and have a drink as a pick-me-up. They went to the George Hotel about 6pm and had some whiskey and rum. They returned about 6.20pm, Cope remarking that he felt much better. 
During the evening, he said they had several drinks, returning to the school at about 10.15pm with another friend, John Hancock, obviously John Shelton, a Burslem art student of 98 Ashford Street, Shelton. They found nearly all the guests had departed. Cope later tried to run up the stairs two or three at a time, when nearly at the top, he seemed to collapse and fall backwards down the stairs. Witnesses went to his assistance and spoke to him, but received no coherent reply. With the help of John Hancock, they carried him into the metal room and laid him down on a firewatcher's bed, neither of them suspecting that he was seriously injured. There was no bleeding nor sign of a wound. As deceased was practically a teetotaler, they thought that probably the drinks had upset him a little. They applied cold water and Cope partially revived and said, Oh, Berry, stop it. He then lay back on the bed and apparently went to sleep. Witness and his companion then decided to stay the night at the school the discoverer. About nine o'clock next morning, said witness, he was aroused by Hancock who had been sleeping in another room and who drew his attention to Cope, who was looking very ill. John Hancock stated that he heard someone apparently falling down the stairs while he was in the toilet and on going outside he found the previous witness bending over Cope. R.G. Hagger, obviously Reginald Hagger, master in charge of the Burzum School of Art, said that the stairs were well arranged and in excellent condition. Cope was a student of temperate habits and looked happy when he left the party at 8.30pm. Medical evidence. Dr. J.G. Datham of Hamlet gave evidence of the performing a post-mortem examination. In reply to the coroner, Dr. Datham said that Cope's skull was thinner than normal and was more likely to fracture than in the average case. The cause of death was hemorrhage due to a fractured base of the skull. The coroner Mm -hmm. returned a verdict of accidental death following a fall when ascending a staircase. He expressed deep sympathy for the bereaved family, as also did Mr. Gordon M. Forsyth, Superintendent of Art Instruction for Stoke-on-Trent, who attended the inquest, and Mr. J. Mee, representing the City Corporation. The coroner, referring to the evidence given by Barrett and Hancock, said that each young man had done what he thought was the best in Cope's interest, and had they had any suspicion that their companion was seriously injured, undoubtedly they would have... And that's where that's where the article ends um, at that mm-hmm. point. So so there you go. That's sort of it's exactly what you said, yeah. isn't it? So that's the story of, yeah. uh, of the whole thing. So yeah. So that was in obviously 1943. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know his his parents, and it must have been like, um, I mean, it must have been an absolute you know tragedy for the family and everything at that point. I would imagine. Well, I mean, there's a big void then from 1943 to 1970, really. Right. Because other than the funeral which was held in uh, Wells Street Fenton, which is now called Welby Street Fenton, by the way. They changed the name of it. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. Wells Street, 66 Wells Street Fenton, that's actually where I was born. <laughs> right. It actually states that uh, at the funeral, the mother actually gave out a sketch to each of the people who um, who attended the funeral. Right. Um, so I'm not, I'm not quite sure which ones. I've got no history on that one. Yeah. But, but, but from there, really, I mean, he was buried in Fenton Cemetery. Yeah. Um, along with his his father, mm-hmm. who died either one or two years before, my grandfather, who I never right. met. Uh, but then, uh, the year after Norman died, his sister died, um, right. Evelyn. She and, and unbelievably, in 1944, she was involved in a road accident. Oh. She was she was run over by a, a car or hit by a car in Longton. In Longton. Wow. 
And the, the amazing coincidence is it, it's actually close to a, a gallery that was run by Arthur's uh, wife in later years. But but anyway, she was she was hit by this car and and she died. Wow. Uh, so basically, in the you know three years, three of the family died. That just left my grandmother and my father. Yeah. Wow. Uh, and in 1970, uh, when my when my grandmother died, she was she went in the same grave. So there's four four people in that grave. Yeah. In Fenton, which went unmarked. Back then, they got no money. They got no money. So there was no there was nothing. Nothing there to mark the grave, other than the you know you had to go to the the local office to find out the grave number and and where it was you know. So from there to 1970, when my, my grandmother died, because mm. she was still living in Well Street, Manton, there's there's nothing, right? As you as you would expect, she locked the paintings away and put put everything out of mind. The only thing that reminded us of Norman was it was a couple of small sketches that she had on the wall. Yeah, you know, and we as children used to say, "Well, what are these?" Well, they were they were your uncle Norman's, you know, and this and that that was all. And it wasn't until later years that, when I started researching it, that I found out everything that was going on. Yeah. So there was there was a big void between there nineteen seventy, and then there was another void between nineteen seventy and nineteen eighty eight. Yeah, when my father died. You know, they were transferred from one one storage unit to another storage unit. Yeah, and then. You know, we, myself and my sister, Alan, started getting getting involved and, and started trying to sort it out, you know, what, yeah. what went on and the history of it all. <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, it's incredible. And then obviously, like you said, you um, you were looking up um, a few years ago when you were living in Romania. You've mentioned that earlier on. And you found, obviously, mm-hmm. the, the blog um, about him and, and that other people, obviously, were sort of expressing interest. And I think that thing, things like that probably fire your enthusiasm even more as well when other people are sort of showing interest as well. Um, and so that sort of led you to deciding to do something about it, I suppose, as well. And did that lead automatically then onto the eventual exhibition that you had for Norman's work? That was in 2012, I think it was, you had an exhibition. The Burzland Boys, October 2012. Yeah. Um, when I, uh, when I, sitting in Romania, I, I uh, well, actually, I, I wasn't actually working in Romania. I'd finished working in Romania, but I do still go back there because I've got a son in Romania. So right, I still okay. go back regularly to Romania. But um, I was just sitting one night and for some reason, I just Googled Norman Cope first time I'd ever done it. And up come all, the first thing that came up was the work that's in the uh, art gallery in Anley. The museum. Yeah. There's yeah. some of Norman's work in there, not yeah. donated by my father when he picked the work up, and and also Reginald Haggard dom- uh, donated some of Norman's work that he got to the museum. So there's some work in there dom- donated by Haggard and some donated by my father. It, it's obviously owned by the museum. Yes. Um, once you, when, when you donate, I'm sure you know you it's their property then. Yeah, which course. is fair enough. I've been, I've been in and uh, viewed it, and anybody can go in and view it um, yeah. if they make an appointment. You can you can see those works online if you um if you do search for obviously Norman Cope, and then if you, right, yeah. and if you search yeah. for Art UK after it, all yeah. one word Art yeah. UK, um, it'll bring up, and I think there's maybe two or three on there. I'm not 100 percent sure, and one of them's like a, a nude male figure, that's right, yeah. um, and that's obviously in the, in a you know part of the national collection of, of paintings, you know, owned by you know everybody really. So sort of it's in the um... well, that, that nude that nude guy in there obviously was somebody who the Basel School of Art used to get in. Yeah. Um, we've got, we've got, we've got loads of sketches of, of him, 
right. where Norman was practicing, you know, before he actually did the painting. So yeah, my sister's got all his work. Yeah. I mean, when I when I the last time I went to the museum, they were in a bit of a mess and they were they were having trouble storing. There was two or three of Norman's work that, that were in there that they got documented, but they couldn't find them. Right. Whether they sorted themselves out in this time, I'm not blaming anybody. I'm, no, I'm just, no. you know, saying that, 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 that there was work to be done. Yeah, fair uh, I think it's the, it's the way well, to... It's, it's, of course, it's hard, isn't it? I mean, there's so many cutbacks and, and you know, at the moment... Very hard. They were struggling for people. Very, yeah. very hard. Absolutely. They got nobody to do the work. They got all the work, but they got nobody to store it. I mean, I, if you go in the museum in Anley, there's, there's so much stuff downstairs it's unbelievable how much stuff they've got downstairs yeah you know in the archives and 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 it's it's a massive job especially with cutbacks and and stuff yeah, absolutely to, to do the work but, but they're in there somewhere and, yeah, and i'm sure they're, they're in there <laughs> that's yeah. so yeah so it was 2012 was the um was the exhibition and of course we, we will mention now i suppose um so bearwall gallery um Anybody listening who isn't, isn't aware of Bearwall is a gallery in Burslem set up by Amanda mm-hmm. and, and Paula. It's a fantastic gallery and really sort of champions and is extremely passionate and proud about the local area. Um, more yeah. so than you know, any, most galleries that I've ever visited, they absolutely they're so enthusiastic oh, yeah. about Stoke and about yeah. uh, about Burslem. And so, and so yeah. they um, they managed to um, start selling the work of Arthur Berry, um, you know, quite a few years ago with, via you know with yeah. Cynthia and mm-hmm. and the estate. Mm-hmm. And they do an excellent mm-hmm. job with that, with promoting his work. And then they've they had all various exhibitions. And then things, I suppose, just fall fall in your lap when you're doing things when you're doing things like that. Because if you put yourself online and you've got this presence, and suddenly um, you know that there's a gallery out there selling work by Arthur Berry, then people associated with Arthur Berry, which obviously was Norman Cope and, and John Shelton and whatnot, will just sort of when it comes up, it'll, you'll there'll be the gallery that you approach. And obviously that's what that was what must have happened. And so the exhibition, the Burslem Boys, Bearwall was of course the perfect setting for it um to have that and that was in that was in 2012 so how did that go was it was it a good exhibition at that time it was it was brilliant i mean it was very emotional for us i mean going back in back in time now it, it was mark finney again once again who uh, you've read his blogs it was mark finney who got an association with bearwall i'd never heard of them. i'd never heard of them wow but when i when i um when i started getting involved uh, another amazing coincidence. I found out that Paula, who I'm sure you've met, yes, uh, used to go to school with my daughter. Right, and they were in the same, <laughs> were in the same class. <laughs> uh, small world, <laughs> very small world. I mean, they're, they're great girls, Paula and the man. And of course, that began a, a great um, association, if you like, yeah. with me and Bear. Well, I, I call in if I'm passing through. I call in, yeah. but um, yeah, they, they were great and. Uh, we came up with this idea of having a, a joint exhibition, yeah. which Bearwall were absolutely brilliant. They, uh, you know, and Mark Finney did a lot of work. Obviously, we got Norman's work. We were just proud to have Norman's work on show, if you like. Yeah, I think we we exhibited because bear in mind, I mean, Bearwall the the exhibition place is is not that big, so you know you were limited to what you could yeah. you could put up. I, mean, I think we had about a dozen pieces of Norman's work. Yeah. And and most of them we didn't want to sell, like Adam and Eve, we didn't want to sell it. We didn't want to sell Suicide Basking. We didn't want to sell Jacob and the Angel. Mm-hmm. Um and, and we put three or four pieces up which we, we said we'd we'd sell, you know. Yeah. We just wanted to get his work out there, really. And yeah. and we were astonished that they sold. Yeah. 
Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, well, I, I was emotional. My sister was couldn't contain my sister. She was uh, so uh, emotional about it, you know. And um, But it was a great night for us, the beers on boys. And it got us to know, um, Shelton, at this stage, Shelton, or yeah. Hancock's wife, was still alive. Right. So it got us to meet Shelton's wife. Barry's wife couldn't come for some reason, although I haven't met her a few times since. Yeah. But it was a great night, you know, and we had various things there. We had Barry's bloody paint brushes and <laughs> all sorts of stuff. You know, it was, um, I think, we've got loads of photographs of, of the night. Yeah. And it was it was a great night for us. Very, very emotional to put Norman's work up after all these years and, and to, you know, repatriate him with his, with his colleagues, although they were all dead. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. that's it. It's fantastic. Yeah, it was a great night. It was a fantastic night, yeah. And then in, you, had the, you had the solo exhibition then, didn't you? Was that 2014? Was that a couple of years later? It was 2014, March yeah. 2014, Kopi. Yeah. And um, obviously we were then beginning to think we, you know, people had told us you need to get some work out there and, and uh, you know, people want people were approaching us to buy work and stuff like that. We we were more interested in getting a, a stone on uh, on Norman's grave. Right. Because it was there was no there was no stone on Norman's grave in Phantom Cemetery, so that was the uh, major objective, and they're not cheap. And we wanted to really. That's a one. really nice thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, you know we were spurred on by that, and Bearwall were absolutely brilliant. Um, Paula and Amanda were fantastic. Yeah. You know, and we we started putting this exhibition together, and then uh, I think it was Paula who phoned me up one night and, and suggested that, because she knew all about the letters. We've got the letters on show at the exhibition, you know, and all sorts of things, the original letters. And um, I think it was Paula who, who phoned me one night and said, uh, you know, we could do something with all this information. It was Paula's idea to come up with a dramatised reading. But obviously she hadn't got the information. I'd got the information. Yeah. You know, well, I, I was... You know, I've got access to all the information and I've got the history. So Paula suggested that we we came up with this, uh, you know, on the night of the Kopi exhibition, we, we'd do this reading. And this is when I met Ray Johnson. Paula set me off on my way. So I, I just, I mean, I wasn't working at the time. I've, I've finished work. And um, I, I just started writing. And um, I decided that I was just going to start writing and I, I wasn't going to finish you know, I wasn't going to stop writing until I'd finished. I wasn't going to have a gap. So I just started writing. And, and when I was tired, I went to sleep. Didn't matter about the time. <laughs> when, it, when it was tired, I went to sleep. The wine helped, I must say. So I, I, I can't remember how long it took me. But uh, yeah, I wrote, I, wrote, um, I wrote it all out. I mean, I've got to say, it was, in, it was very raw when I finished. I'm not, I'm not a writer, yeah. although I'd like to be. But I wrote it all out and... When I when I presented it to Paula, she read it through and she said, "You know, you need to go and see Romy Cheeseman, yeah, who's the wife of Peter Cheeseman. I'm sure you've heard of Peter. Yeah, he was um, obviously in charge of the um, the old Vic, wasn't he? The um, the third old Vic. He he was responsible for uh, you know dramatizing a lot of the plays that Barry wrote. That's right, which was brilliant, brilliant. And and Romy was fantastic. She read through it and said, "Yeah, I think we've got something here. Uh, needs a bit of." fine tuning that we can we can do something with this and, and she said you need to come again uh that she lived very close to the new vic romy right. and and um 
she said she said you need to come again and we'll invite Ray down Ray Johnson Mm-hmm. who's, a, as you know, is a bloody Barry fan through and through. Yeah, Ray came down the next time. I think we had three or four meetings. My sister came with us a few times. It was then that we started to critique it and turn it into, well, I, well, I think so. Quite a quite a good dramatised reading. It was, which I think it's fantastic. Yeah. It was absolutely fantastic. So so this was, um, what you did was, I believe, is that you you incorporated um, parts of chunks of obviously Arthur Berry's book and and the letters and you sort of blended them fairly seamlessly together into this yeah. um, into this dramatization sort of reading really which was which is incredible and then you performed it on the night at Bearwall uh, during I guess part one of the, one of the events around the Copy exhibition um, mm-hmm. and you were and you had you know a crowd of people there and then various people playing the parts of one person being Hancock and and one being Copy and one of and Ray Johnson of course was was Arthur Berry and reading bits of dialogue from the letters and, and there was a narrator and it was it was but it was it was fantastic and you can uh, you can see this online because it is available online maybe I'll post a link yeah. I'll post a link yeah. somewhere you can see it on YouTube um, it's well worth watching it's um, mm-hmm. it's fantastic I, I, it's so interesting and yeah enjoyable mm-hmm. I really I really enjoyed it a lot it's very good Ray and Romy made it really because uh, they came up with ideas that I would never thought of. Right. Because um, I wrote it just, you know, from start to finish. Yeah. And um, Romy was was chipping away in the background, you know, do this, do that. And I think it was Ray Johnson that came up with the idea of splitting it into three. Right. And having uh, him acting out Barry, another guy acting out uh, Hancock. Mm-hmm. But we couldn't have anybody acting Norman because we didn't have any of Norman's words. Right. So we came up with the narrator, which was David. Yes. And he, he, he was like Norman in the background. Yeah. And then the other, I mean, the, the piece that you read out earlier about the inquest, I, I put all the words in like, like you read out, but Ray took a lot out. Right. He said, he said the, the, the audience will be bored if you put all that lot in. <laughs> so he, he picked out the, the, the bits that were. Yeah, of course. Well, yeah. Not, it's wrong to say interesting, but, uh, yeah. you know, the bits that people were, you know, more interested in and stuff like that. And there was a lot of other fine tunes. So uh, although I wrote it, Ray was the one who made it what it was. Yeah. And then and then on the night, I mean, uh, the, I thought the, the three of them did a fantastic job. On the night, it was, yeah. it was amazing. We didn't have many. Uh, we didn't have many practice runs. I think we only had one practice run. You know. Oh, you did. You did a yeah. very good job. <laughs> yeah, I was. Uh, I was. I was so emotional. I could hardly speak. Oh, but um, yeah, and, and all my family was there. And, yeah. Oh, yes, yeah. that's incredible. And then, of course, the exhibition went very well as well, I believe, because um, I guess you kept yes. you kept some back, and then you sold an awful lot, though. I think <laughs> there, was, there was a lot sold. Yeah, I mean, we wanted to get 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 it out there and get it sold, and yeah, from the proceeds, basically, we uh, I mean, goodness me, we uh, we we got the the stone. Yeah. We we had a reception. Mm-hmm. And uh, with what was left over, we all went on a family holiday. Oh, <laughs> yeah, why not? That's it. That's it. So it was well spent. Yeah, it was well spent, and we, uh, you know, we remembered Norman on the holiday, and it was it was yeah. good. And I'm I'm just glad that we got the stone on there, really. Yeah, um, of course. Anybody can go down and see it. It's yeah. in Fenton Cemetery. It's um, yeah, it's it's a fairly new stone. Fenton's an old cemetery, so it sticks out a bit, you know. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it was good. Oh, it was good. Well done. Mm. I've said to you as well. Um, 
what you should do. I mean, I think you were considering this. I think Ray Johnson suggested it to you as well. You could, you need to get something written. <laughs> you need to publish the letters in in some and 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 do a sort of a and yeah, just basically get the letters from Barry and from Shelton and the various and and tell the whole story. I think in in one. You know, well, in the book, I mean, I'll be honest. It's it's been on me to do less for a few years now. Yeah. Um, you know, it's you're clearly good enough to do it. The way that you that you brought that together, that dramatization, mm. and um, I think you know, I think you've got the skill and the ability. It's, it's a fantastic thing, and I think it's well worth doing. Mm. I, I mean, I'm, it's it's not for money. It's it's for history, really, and legacy. Well, that's it. That's what the, these. That's yeah. what these things are always are for. <laughs> yeah. 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 No. I mean, Ray's Ray. Every time I see Ray, he says, "Have you done that book?" He goes into booklets. Ray yes. does. Yes. And. Um, uh, but I think I think you contacting me is is you know spurred me into action again to be yeah. honest and yeah. um, I made a mental note that I'm I'm going to start writing again soon but once I start writing I don't stop right you know, like last <laughs> time you know yeah. I'll, I'll just keep going you know Why day not? and night when I'm tired I'll sleep whatever time of day it is yeah. then I'll wake up and continue writing yeah. and um, and I, I don't think it'll be a big book booklet or a book or whatever it's going to be. Yeah, because he died so young. Yeah, you know. Exactly. I mean, the potential in him, the the potential of him at that age, um, because yeah. like uh, I said, um, I touched on it earlier that you can see these sort of different aspects of his work, and it was all in this sort of such mm. a fleeting sort of moment. In you know, it was only a few mm. years, you know, from when he started at Burslem and to he must have only been in Edinburgh, you know, six months or something. If that, you know, it was. It was probably less than that, Anthony. Um, I've, I've been trying to, I'm sure I've got the, uh, if I look at the letters, I'm sure I've got the dates of when he went and stuff like that, you know. Yeah. And, and uh, it was, it was probably between three and five months. Yeah. In Edinburgh. Um, and he, he was, he was in and he was, I mean, goodness knows what it was like back then. But he, I think he was sharing a place, you know. Hmm. Uh, I've actually been to Bread Street in Edinburgh. I am actually being in the building, but I can see the window that I've, I've seen the window of his of where he was lodging. Right, and um, because I've got a, there's a painting of a back street of Edinburgh that he, he did through the window. I've, see, I've see. seen that. Did you sell that one, or did you uh, did you keep that one? I've seen. Gone, yeah. I, yeah. I, I'm not sure. I think it's gone now. Yeah, I did. But, see. Uh, I he I did that through his back window, and uh, you can see the back window. You, you go down a little archway and and, and and there's a little car park, scruffy little place. Yeah. And and you you actually see where he did the, the painting from. Yeah. yeah. But he, he wasn't happy there, Anthony. He wasn't happy. Oh, he, right, he, okay. there, was a, yeah, there was a load of letters. And and I I mean there was letters from a, a sailor named John who who he befriended, who, who was um he was, he was, he, his ship was moored in Edinburgh. It was a destroyer. I've never been able to find out the name of the destroyer. Mm -hmm. it, was, it was moored in Edinburgh. And the letters that he exchanged with John obviously indicate that he was completely unhappy with where he was staying. Yeah. And he was, and there's a load of letters, which, which, um, letters coming back to Norman this again, yeah. um, yeah. you know, offering, offering him accommodation. It's ridiculously low prices compared to today. Yeah. You know, so he was obviously unhappy with where he was stopping. Yeah. And I think some of it was the fact that he was possibly sharing a room with, mm. with somebody we never knew. Mm. And also the lighting in the room was not good enough for, for painting. Right. Okay. So, uh, so there was, you know, there was issues like that. 
Yeah. But uh, obviously he was still in Brad Street when he died. Well, he didn't die in Brad Street, but he was yeah. still his yeah. work was still in Brad Street. Yeah, it's close to the, very close to the castle, actually. Very close to the castle. Obviously, your dad picked all that up, didn't he? Your dad went and picked he it picked all up. Your dad did, yeah. He picked it all up and came down and locked it away and... And that was a story, but but it's an incredible story, and it's um mm. and it's well you know it was something that is well worth telling. And even though he only you know he died at eighteen, he's still in a lot of people's memories, and of course in your mm. family's memories. And then you did the exhibition, and yeah, I think it's well mm. worth doing um doing a book, and and certainly with the letters and the amount. And it sounds like you have got a fair amount of material um to work on. So so I look forward to that in the future. <laughs> well, to be honest, Anthony, you've spurred me into action now. Well, I won't, I'll, I'll definitely come. I'll definitely come and see you at some point as well. Well, when you know, post everything sort of settling down at some well, point in the near future. Um, well, to be honest, if you if you want, once we settle down, if you want, I've got a complete folder of Norman's oh. work here. It's about four inches thick. There you go. <laughs> there's, a lot of work, there's a lot of stuff in there that you might be interested in, and Arthur Berry early exhibitions and stuff like that. And yeah, fantastic. And, Thank you. Uh, newspaper cuttings. Yeah. We've obviously got the original. Uh, photographs and if you're doing this um, exhibition at the Brampton That's then you, you're, quite, you're quite welcome to uh, borrow any of the work we've got Barry's you know original letters photographs for that exhibition that's, I mean, that's amazing. That's just the um, so the exhibition you're referring to is the um, so when the book there's an Arthur Berry book out due later this year, which is uh, sort of 2021 around about I think it's October November yeah. time, um, mm-hmm. being written by Peter Davis, and then the exhibition oh, yeah. coincide with that is going to be at the Brampton. So obviously there'll be a number of Berry Berry's works there and everything else. So oh, yeah, right. so that's um, yeah, I mean that's obviously mm-hmm. via Bearwall as well. They've obviously commissioned Peter to write the book. So so I'm really looking mm-hmm. forward to uh, to reading that to be honest with you and and, and getting. Well, you've prompted me also. To go in and see the girls, but I mean, I can't now, obviously, because of lockdown. But uh, yeah. as soon as we're able to lockdown, I, I shall call in and see the girls. Definitely, but, uh, yeah, yeah. Have a have a chat with them. I'm sure they'll. I'm sure they'll listen to this when it's uh, when it's uh, out and everything. So uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but thank you, thank yeah. you very much for speaking to me today, Michael. It's been uh, it's been incredible. I've really enjoyed it, and it's you know it's you're very uh, lucky to have had a such a talented uncle. Adam. Yes, yes, very very lucky, but. Uh, Never met him, and uh, no. it's a sad story, really. Isn't it? It's it is, it is yeah, it's a sad because it was so tragic because he was so young. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. when I when I hear of him, I'm I'm a I'm a United fan, and obviously this was before my time, but it makes me think of like the Busby Bays and Duncan Edwards Absolutely, and people like yeah. that. You know, sort of mm-hmm. everything's in yeah. front of them, isn't it? Like that, and then obviously, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. Manchester United. I'm a bit of a Manchester United fan as well. Oh, there you go, there you go. But um, but yeah, right. Well, thank you very much for speaking to me, Michael, and I will catch up with you again soon. And um, yeah, all the best to you and your family, and I'll I'll speak to you soon. Well, thank you very much, Anthony, and you've spurred me into action again. All right. Nice talking to you. <laughs> Take care, pal. See you soon. Thanks. Take care, mate. Bye. After recording the episode, I thought I should mention the four people who were involved in the dramatised reading. They were Michael Cope, Ray Johnson, Richard Murray, David Bowen, and of course, Romy Cheeseman, who was involved in the creation of it. Thank you for listening and I hope that you've enjoyed it. You can head to the Northern Art page on Facebook and on Instagram as well, where I'll upload some images relating to the episode. Any likes, comments, shares, messages, anything like that is always appreciated. You can also subscribe to the channel on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts, and then you won't miss out on any episodes that I upload in the future.